Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What is up, football fans? I'm Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We are broadcasting from the Nation Network studios here in Martyrloop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. As always, for these Monday morning podcasts, I do like to just be honest with you guys. We're recording before this blockbuster must-watch, must-see game between the Ottawa Red Blacks and Edmonton Elks. Um, I say that facetiously, but truthfully, I think that game might be kind of fun. Looking forward to that. That's uh, later this afternoon. But, you know, we've already had a great, fun, fascinating slate CFL games, uh, games around the league. A lot of East-West matchups. In fact, they were all East-West matchups. And uh, what? I guess that the East is currently up 2-1 on the West. That's something we sort of talked about on Wednesday, whether the gap has finally narrowed between the two divisions. I don't think there's much argument that it has. Um, you know, we look at the games, Mon- Montreal, nice first half, lost 47 to 17 to the Montreal, ah, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Sorry, I'm literally reading this off the screen. I don't know how I got that one wrong. But yeah, 47-17 for the Bombers. Good first half, and then the Bombers just absolutely took over. We'll get to that. Uh, but, you know, that's a West win. And then the Toronto Argonauts, in a really fun game. I don't know if you guys were watching it. I hope you guys were watching it. I'd be surprised if you are listening to a CFL-specific podcast and, and, and we're not watching it but you know argos 139 31 uh fourth quarter kick return touchdown kind of or punt return touchdown was the defining factor there uh, so that's an east win and then the tie cats beat the lions 30 to 13 i don't care if you say you saw this coming i don't believe you in vancouver tie cats what a win uh, and honestly um i keep being ready to rule the tie cats out but then i look at them and they're four and six you know they're they're Right now, they are very much on pace to make the playoffs. They got a tough Labor Day game coming up against the Argos. But, look, you know, they're one game behind the third-place Rough Riders um, who are in the West Division. I apologize. But if we're just kind of looking at the possibility of a crossover, it doesn't look all that likely. They're ahead of the Stampeders, who are 4-8. and eight. Um, I think the Ticats right now, you know, they're very much on pace to to be in the playoffs. And it's, it's unbelievable. I did not see that one coming. But, you know, I, I, I do think... Am I wearing my backwards hat? I don't wear hats backwards. We're turning that around. Uh, I'm nearly a 40-year-old man. I don't need a backwards baseball cap. Um, wasn't doing that to be cool. Don't know why I was doing that. I apologize uh, to myself. I'm better than that. Um, anyways, I think we got to start talking about the Lions a little bit here. Not on the sense of the Lions going to make the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, I think that obviously they're still a good team. But, you know, you lose... You lose the tie cats and it brings up questions. And I think that it is part of a, of a month that I didn't see coming for this team. 
Um, I've had them in that first tier. We do sort of a, a three-tiered system here at Live from the 55er. We try to, just because I find it easier than just doing straight-up power rankings. But I've had the Lions, the Bombers, and the Argos in that top tier. I don't think I can include the Lions there anymore. I just don't right now think that they're on the level. I mean, let's look at their August. They lose 50-14 to 14 to the Bombers on August 3rd. That's bad. That's embarrassing. Yeah, it's in the Bombers' house, but, um, you know, there should have been – some red flags that we all caught there. You know, my therapist would tell me not to ignore it. Uh, that was a red flag. Uh, I did ignore it. And especially, you know, because the Lions responded with an absolute beatdown of the Stampeders. Nine days later, uh, they won 37-9. Huge turnaround. They were up 17-0 in the first quarter. Just looked absolutely electric. Just, you know, they looked like, oh, this is a team that can win the Great Cup. And because of that, I think that, you know, well, you sort of forgive a bad game here and there, and it was easy to treat that Bombers loss as a bit of an aberration. Uh, then last week, August 20th, <clears throat> August 20th, they lose 34-29 to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, like games in Regina, it's always tough to win in Regina. I'm this is, I'm sort of saying why I was maybe ignoring what, what seemed to be a little bit of a slip. Uh, but then on Saturday, they lose 30-13 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, the Tiger Cats, like of all teams, I mean, what are we talking about here? Uh, I'm not going to call it anyone specific, but I will say that if you would go back to listen and listen to last week's podcast, we had guests and myself included. If I'm calling them out, I got to call myself out. We were talking, are the Ticats actually the worst team in the league now? They'd lost to Edmonton. You know, that's how that's how bad we thought they were. They've had a brutal injury situation, injury after injury. Um, so if you're going to say that the worst team in the league or a team that a lot of us were saying was the worst team in the league strolls into your house and beats you 30, 30 to 13, Raises questions, and it's just a bad loss. And I'm sorry, you know. I guess it's a big win for the Ticats, and we should acknowledge that, as I was saying. Um, but we're using this three-tier ranking system. Can you really like? Does anyone really think right now the Lions are on that same level as as the Argos and Barmers? Like, are we sure they belong? Because I don't, I don't think that they do. Um, I just think you've lost three of your last four, and then you fall at home to the Ticats again. The Ticats. Maybe I'm not respecting the Ticats enough, but. I'm not going to say I think you're as good as the Bombers, who have won five straight. I guess they got off to a, a bit of a, a shaky start, but they're 9-2. and two. They're a veteran group. I think that we know that, you know, veterans teams tend to use them differently in training camp, so maybe it's not all that big a surprise that it took some of those guys a, a couple weeks to to really reach their level, but they're just rolling right now. They've shaken off that early season rust. Um, no, I don't think that the Lions are as good as the team that beat them what did I say? 50 to 14 a month ago. Uh, you know, the Bombers are going one way. The Lions have gone another this month. I think that the, I'm not saying that the Lions can't salvage it. I still have them probably as the third best team in the league right now. I just don't. If we're, if we're doing this tiers, tier one got a little closer because you then look at at the Argos and, and look, they're the reigning champions. They're eight and one. The only team they've lost to is the Stampeders. The game where their starting quarterback went out early in the second quarter. You know, um, I think that there's a real debate between who you would have as the number one team in the league right now. People would say, oh, the Argos have allowed the least points in the league. Well, they've also played two less games uh, than the Bombers. If you actually average it out, the Argos are allowing 22.8 points per game. Um, that's 206 in nine. And the Bombers are allowing 20.45, which is, you know, what? That's more than two. That's two and a half points less, basically. Um, you know, I... I think that the Bombers have a claim to having the best defense in the league and that, that offense when clicking. And I think we saw it click. So, you know, 
against the Alouettes. We talked like particularly in that second half, they had a, a, a shaky first half. When they got back, we're going to get to that game in a second. But yeah, I've got right now tier one is the Argos and Bombers. The Argos are slightly ahead, just out of respect. You're the reigning champions. Um, again, they, they lost a game where their starting quarterback, Chad Kelly, was out for most of it against the Stampeders, although I don't think that entirely describes that loss. But, um, you know, after that, I guess we're kind of getting into a close to a four-tier system, but I do have uh, the Lions and the Alouettes, who I think that they deserve respect despite what happened against the Bombers. And then it's, honestly, if we go with the third-tier system, I sort of have the rest of the teams in that third tier. I think that all of the teams... Um, have a shot at the playoffs, especially if the Elks win tonight uh, against against the Red Blacks. It sounds crazy, but I'm not counting them out. But yeah, you know, I, I probably have in order. I guess uh, I have the Riders, Red Blacks, Tie Cats, Stampeders, Elks. I might have the Stampeders above the Red Blacks and Tie Cats. I mean, who do I think would win? Both teams at their best, I think the Stampeders. But anyways, it's sort of a mushy middle. Um, if we want to expand this to four tiers, which, I mean, there's no one stopping us from doing that. This is my podcast. Um, I can do what I want. But yeah, I'd probably have still the Elks last, but I'm saying that before that that Sunday night game uh, between the Elks and Red Blacks. And to be perfectly honest with you, I've gotten so much so much wrong recently. I, I really didn't see the Ticats being the Lions. I can't believe it. Um, absolutely shocked there. But they did. Um, and for me, that's just ultimately one of the, probably the story of the weekend is that the Lions are, the, the slide is real. Um, fortunately, I don't think that they're going to slide down um, the standings. I think that they're still pretty comfortably going to be the second best team in the West Division. Um, if you look at their schedule ahead, which I, I have in front of me, what? They've got the Alouettes Saturday, September 2nd. That's coming up uh, this weekend. And then they, you, that, at this point, I don't know who I'm picking. I, I honestly don't, but I, I'd probably have the Alouettes winning that uh, in Montreal. Then they got the Red Blacks. Lions should beat the Red Blacks. Then they have the Elks. They should beat the Elks. They got the Riders at home. Again, they just lost the Riders, but it's at home, so you're going to give the Lions a bit of a boost there. And then they got a massive game against the Bombers where they're really going to want to show what they've got. And then they have the Ticats at home and and then the stampeders to finish off the season uh you know they're going to win four or five of those so there's no um no real issue there but um do i think that my own estimation do i have them in the mix with the bombers and uh the artists i just can't do that that's just the reality so um yeah beyond that i don't know um man the bombers impressed me against the alouettes i know they didn't have a good first half and you know i'd sort of said this was going to be a show me game for the alouettes and i, I think it, it was they could have really turned some heads with a win and i at halftime what the bombers were up 2017 there'd been a couple turnovers you really felt like montreal was in the fight but this is what makes the bombers so good and you know i'm bored of the bombers it's been such a long run um dating back to 2019 i honestly understand <laughs> i've had people say danny like there's too much bombers talk sometimes. It's just hard not to. I mean, this is what they do. They adjust at halftime and they come out and they absolutely dominate. Um, you know, to the tune of a 27 nothing scoreline in the third and fourth quarters. It was just domination. It was big brother uh, bullying the little brother, and yeah, really showed that the Alouettes got a, a long way to go. Still like that team. Not trying to knock them down, but to me, it also shows that the bombers. Like, I, I think secretly, I probably still think that they're the team to beat. Um, I'm not. I had the arrows ahead of them. It's a respect thing. 
the champions. You have the best record in the league. You belong there. But, you know, I don't know. I just, the Bombers are, they, they scare me. They're, they're the team you don't want to face in the playoffs. That's the reality. Um, I do. We've got Kami Kapke coming on. Um, I should have in, in, said that in the intro. I try to introduce my guests right at the start of the podcast. Uh, and I apologize for not doing that. I apologize to Kami. I apologize for any of you guys wondering who the guest is. Although, if you clicked on the podcast, it's in the title and on the YouTube as well. Uh, either way, Kami Kapke, uh, global reporter here in Calgary, has been doing sports for, for many a year. Um, is you know has spent time in Regina as a reporter. Who's is from BC. Uh, sits in the stands at most Stamps games, uh, knows the league, and uh, really wanted to have her on. I've been talking about it for ages. Um, when I talk about our, our Fraser and the Fig, Fraser and Fig chow down, it's always Ian Busby, John Bender, and her. Uh, I think Ryan Ballantyne. I don't know how we're going to do that. We're going to need a bunch of different cameras, but we are going to do it. And I'm excited to have Kami uh, coming on. We're obviously going to go pretty deep. Her and I were texting along um, throughout Friday's game between the Stampeders and Argos. I don't know. I mean, we're going to break it down. The loss matters for the Stamps. I know that. But what a game. I had so much fun watching that. I really, really did. Um, that's one of those games where it's like, wait, are people don't like the CFL? Let's get them, put this game on. Um, and ultimately, the story of the season for the Stamps. They were, you know, they were tied in the fourth quarter. Allow a punt return touchdown. You know, the Argos get a lot of those. That, that's, that's a feature, not a bug. But it just feels like the big play is always going against the Stamps. And there were a lot of big plays, so that's that's a unfair reading of the game but the big sort of game defining play um one for the argos and, and it cost the stamps but it was still what a, what a game um you know late summer the x is going on covered a, a number of those those games and it was just yeah it was incredibly impressive uh from the argos and i i liked a lot of what i saw from the stampeders offense really felt like they were clicking um we'll say very quickly deshaun amos uh suffered what appeared to be quite a serious uh lower leg injury Sean obviously got his start in Calgary 2018. Still think I, I tweeted about it, but it's one of the craziest stories. He comes in for a team that is absolutely cruising towards the gray cap. And I believe he signed sort of early October, nine days later, Brandon Smith needed a break and, and Deshaun Amos was starting at halfback. That doesn't really happen uh, for championship team. It just speaks to the level of this, uh, of this guy as an athlete and as a football player. And he honestly, truthfully, and I, I, I wouldn't say anything bad about anyone, but Deshaun was always just a good guy, just humble, kind, um, you know, very generous with his time towards us media members and, and just a really nice guy and uh, ended up signing with the Argos, obviously won the great cup last year, but is, is truly one of the good guys. So it hurt me to see him uh, get hurt. We wish him the best uh, recovery. I look, football's a tough sport. You hate seeing it happen, but um, Deshaun's one of my favorites. So that's stunk to see. And uh, yeah, felt really bad about that one, but, Anyways, we have a lot of stamp stocks to get through. We have there's just a lot to talk about. This was this was a wild week. Um, I've already sort of gone on 14, 15 minutes in into the podcast here. So we're gonna get to Cami. Uh quick thank you, obviously, to our sponsors, Mugs Pub. Um, we love them. We got the ad read coming up, but we we really do appreciate them. No better place to to go grab a beer, their fish and chips, the pizza's great, the food's all great. Um, and then of course Fraser and Fig, which as I mentioned, uh my dad picked up one of their charcuterie boards on Tuesday for a nice family dinner out at out at our out at my aunt's ranch. So uh, it was absolutely a hit. It's great. So we we appreciate both of them. We appreciate you. Please like and subscribe. Listen, um, you know, tell your friends. I'm trying to build something here. We have our studio. CFL is sending a bunch of uh, decor for me apparently, which I very much appreciate. So shout out Lucas. Shout out everyone there. Shout out our listeners. Shout out our sponsors. Let's get to Kami Kapke. 
Thank you. Let's go. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. I gotta talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Because I love these guys here in Marta Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. All right, Cami Kapke. I've already introduced you in my little introduction so people know who you are, but you're with Global. You are a sports. Honestly, you're more of a sports fanatic than I am. Um, and I don't, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I think so. I will say I tried to explain. You grew up in BC. I mean, people who know me know you because um, obviously we've co-hosted Rob Kershaw uh, filling in for him a, a number of times. Um, I think this is the first time I've had you on the CFL pod. Yeah, um, I'm so excited. Yeah, so let's go through. I be I you grew up in Creston. Were you a Lions fan growing up? No, I was a Seahawks fan growing up. I wasn't that big on the CFL when I was younger, but when I got to college, that was when I really kind of became more ride or die CFL and I started watching the NFL less and less and to this day I do definitely watch more CFL than NFL. Yes, and I mean worked in Regina. So I, I know some of your friends who worked in Regina have become mm -hmm. Riders fans, but I, I, I don't care about where your allegiance lies, but you know, you have now been I don't have allegiances. I will say this. The craziest thing about working as a news reporter in Regina was how much the Rough Riders permeate everything. I am not kidding. You can look up the records for this, but I covered a murder trial where um, in the cross-examination, a witness was asked, well, how do you know this happened at this time? You already admitted you were intoxicated. And the witness on the stand that I was walking back from the old Taylor Field, the Riders beat the Bombers 39-27. <laughs> I don't know if that was the score, but literally the Rough Riders were used as a frame of reference in a murder trial. And that as is admissible that evidence. on the green and white. <laughs> I don't actually know what the like official legal definition of admissible evidence is, but like the fact that the score of a Riders game basically counts. Um Bonus that is amazing. Field. <laughs> I, I feel like I could read a bunch of our texts from Friday night while we were both watching the Sam's game. I know that at one point we were both just like, this game has everything. Uh, you referred to it as being like a, the, the Stefan sketch from SNL. Um, Stefan, I apologize. There you go. I'm um, Stefan. How embarrassing for me. Um, what a game. I guess let's start there. That was, mm. I, I do feel like because we have to do some of the doom and gloom stuff, um, because the situation here in Calgary is becoming um, more, just just more tenuous, I guess, because ultimately, like the Riders won last week, and then the Tigers won. So you know mm -hmm. they they have a fight ahead of them. But how much fun was that game? Oh my gosh! Like it's nice when just when you think you know how the game is going to shake out or which way the momentum is swinging something happens that just throws you back in your seat and you have to just like explain out loud. It was bananas, but I almost start, I'm starting to feel some parallels between the Stampeders and the other team you cover in the flames. Once the offense starts 
to go, it goes, but you're still losing by one or two scores. There are what four games that really could be in the win column for the Stampeders at this point. Yeah. Which is disappointing. And I think we both talked about why we think the offense has had some struggles. And I don't think that coincides with uh, what a lot of fans are saying. Oh, I, I replied like to your point just yesterday morning, like when I woke up, mm-hmm. I, I often try to re- reply to a couple people on Twitter at the very least. Um, and I said, I was like between, I, I believe the flames lost 17 overtime games um, last year. And now these stamps, like so many games have come down to one play. They've mm-hmm. lost two overtime, but beyond two overtime. That, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just covered a lot of really close losses this year where it has felt like, Oh, um, for, for both Calgary sports teams, like if, a, if the big play goes your way, you, you win. Now that's not entirely fair because there were a lot of big plays in that Argo stamps game. Like it was part of the fun was Marco Michelle had a huge touchdown. Um, uh, Reggie Bay you got a little bit of redemption there. Oh, you got a lot of redemption. Down. Um, and I like, like, I mean, I was one of the people who, was pretty hard. Luther had to make that catch against the Bombers, mm-hmm. and, and then they would have they would have won that game. And I, I I certainly made that point. Never was I trying to say that I'd given up on Luther Hackman or that he was a bad oh, player. No, like there were also many plays where the Stamps could have won that game. Well, and that's that I mean, one this, was a, a bit of a gimme. Yeah, this is something that I I, I spoke with a coach a, a year or two after the 2017 Grey Cup, which is the one where Kamar Jordan had the fumble sort of on the one yard line, and the Argos returned it. And I was like it's got to be so hard to get over when this sort of one play costs you the game. And the coach looked at me like I was the stupidest person he'd ever met. Um, which like rightfully, because I think that that is like, that's what we do in sports media is focus on the one highlight that, you know, he was like, well, Danny, do you know how many balls we could have intercepted that we didn't in that game that would have won mm-hmm. us the game? Like there's a million things that you guys don't see that there's a million, there's the, Every play, if something goes a little different, you might wind up, you know, you could force a fumble. Like, so he said, you can't just focus on the one big highlight. You have to focus on the fact that there's every play is a big play and has that potential. And when they don't go your way, that, that's why you win or you lose. Um, but the Stamps have allowed more return touchdowns than any team in the league. I mean, it, it makes it feel a little bit better when the guy who's doing it is actually setting franchise records and he's not just doing it against you. But yeah, special teams really needs to figure that one out. One other uh, big player I do want to touch on, like before we get too much into special teams, though, because we talked about Luther, we talked about Mark and Michelle. Reggie Bagleton had an insane game. I can't believe those were his first touchdowns of the season. That first 200-yard game, he went bananas. Well, as, uh, I, mean, I told you in our group chat or just our texting, uh, is Reggie Bagleton a small town in BC? Because that man has yaps. Yes. Um... You did, that was you did text me that. That is a good creepy um, joke. <laughs> yes, he um he was incredible, like legitimately incredible. And it's one of those things where, um, I don't know how many times I've tweeted this season and last season, just like just give the ball to Reggie. Like at some point, um, you know, just just get the ball in in the hands of your best players, and that's easier said than done. Obviously, you can't only throw the ball to, to Reggie, but I, I truly believe that he is one of the top two or three receivers in the CFL. And when you can get that ball to him, as you said, the yards after catch are incredible. Um, but he's also like a legitimate deep ball threat. He's quick, he's physical. He is the guy who who this offense needs to go to. And I, I truly believe that that is, we always talk about the Stampeders being a running offense. I actually think Reggie is the most important um, piece beyond quarterback, obviously, but he's incredible. And right now, I don't, I can't say this officially. It's crazy because but, like their run game wasn't, having much of an impact on that game as a whole 
No, I mean, the Argos focused in on stopping it for sure. But um, yeah, no, it wasn't. And, and, and they needed to go through the air. And the narrative has been with this team, as we've seen, oh, this the, the pass attack's terrible. Well, the pass attack wasn't bad at all. It was quite good. No. And I, I, and Even, I, I um, there's a couple where, like, there was one where it looked like Jake was getting sacked for sure. And he was able to spin out of it. And I think it was a, a long bomb to Reggie that ended up coming out of that play. But you and I talked about, uh, I think, like, the tackles could be doing more. They're not irredeemable by any means but the tackles could certainly be giving jake more time in the pocket i was actually timing it on my phone and like scribbling yeah. it down like how Tell much time this, this is awesome that you did pocket. that i'm not i'm not trying to interrupt but i do want to give you credit for this because you said in the middle of the game you were like oh i'm gonna time the next couple plays where i was like oh, man that's cammy doing the real work i'm <laughs> not like I, I don't trust my eyes i i have what i think i see and then i need numbers to back it up and what we were seeing is legit, like just timing, like from when the quarterback gets the ball to when they have to make a decision. Jake really had less than two seconds on average before he had to make a play or he did make a play. And they were seeing a lot of success with just get the ball, get rid of it immediately. Some of those short completions with the high percentage. Great. But John Kelly was getting like three, four seconds like doubling him on so many opportunities. So, I mean, yeah, over an extended period of time, this is something that we feel like we've been seeing. If that sample size kind of holds true, it's like, yeah, obviously the past game isn't going to see that much success when he has to make so many snap decisions. I don't agree with a lot of the decision-making that has happened. And I have think fans do have like, yeah, there's some things you can be unhappy about there, but man, they got to give him more, more of a chance to make something happen. But luckily it all kind of came together last night, even though it was a loss. It was a loss that didn't really feel like a loss. That's how I felt. And it's too late in the season for moral victories for the Stampeders. Like they need wins. Um, but I'm sorry. Like it was one, like it, midway through the fourth quarter, you were tied with a team that nobody else has beaten mm-hmm. for the entire season. And like for me, to be honest, like I will include last week's loss to the Bombers. Like those aren't the losses that I think you you lose too much sleep over if you're the Stampeders. It's it's those losses to Ottawa and Montreal which make these losses more painful. Um, but I certainly and you said it. I saw more than enough from Jake Mayer here to say like, okay, call off the you know call off the trial. This guy is a young quarterback, and we see what he can do. When he's feeling confident, when when the offense is giving him that, when the offensive line is giving him that time, and and the arms there, the accuracy was there. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, yeah. and there were a couple fourth quarter plays where, to be honest, I thought that he got the ball where they needed to. And I'm not saying that they were easy catches. I'm not saying that they were even like, quote unquote drops. But like, you know, potentially if the receivers had been able to hold on to that ball, and I potentially on a couple of them think that maybe they should have. I, I think the Stamps might have won that. I, I think Jake Mayer deserves a lot of flowers for the way that he played. And there was a lot of mental fortitude displayed in that game, too. I thought for sure that things were about to come off the rails when he was sacked by Falera Normalade. Look in his eyes. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be BC all over again because they still hadn't had a touchdown in, what, 10 quarters at that point? Mm-hmm. But no, they really were able to swing it back and get something going. And now they have a, a couple against the Elks where they really, really need to build. Um, This is out of... I actually want to keep going with this, but who had the better revenge game against their former team? Borland or Malade against the Stampeders or James Butler against the against the BC Lions? 
did not prep you for this question. Oh my God. You... I know it's so hard to say. I kind of like the James Butler one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But Flo, I really like Flo as a person. And he's just so fun to watch. <laughs> the funny thing is that I don't want to take anything that. away from him on that front. So to like, we both know Flo because uh, he was here in Calgary for something. <laughs> he would be like, Danny, don't call it a revenge game. Like I, I have, he has no issue with the stampeders. He's the nicest guy. Like we're not taking away from Flo. I also just like the fact that Butler, like ultimately like the expectations for that Lions tie cats game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Butler was good sort of make it stand out. But I mean, three sacks for Fuller and Armalade. It's why mm-hmm. it hurts so much to see him leave this off season. Really? He's like, he is, emerging as one of this league's absolute elite defensive ends. And I know that a point that Derek Taylor, who's probably the best with stats across the country, he said last year, pay attention to the pressures as much as, as the sacks. And he said, flow is absolutely one of the elite guys. And now those are turning into sacks. So I think we're seeing it. Um, and it, <clears throat> I think it probably hurt a little bit. If you're a stamps fan to watch oh, your former guy, do that against you. And here's a useless stat. There's uh, no methodology to it, but just like from my job with Global, we used to always do the junior reporter with the Stampeders. And I always, always judge the players based on how they interact with these kids. <laughs> and Flo was one of the best. So was I mean, he's, <laughs> he's the best. Um, he is a guy yeah, who like- The poor get... kid can pronounce his name. He's like, you can call me Flo. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, he's also an incredibly smart- man who doesn't need to be playing football so he's one of those guys who i just like appreciate like he could do something else if he wanted to um and i'm just going to introduce him very quick just i I feel like every time i talk about him and talk about him leaving the stampeders i very earlier in the season in one of my stories referred to like the stamps chose someone over flow that's just simply not what happened um just based under the cap with the Argos paying Chad Kelly significantly less than most of the other starting quarterbacks my understanding is that they just like had more money to pay flow and of course, if you're a CFL player with a very limited short, um, you know, short career and flows had injury issues, take the money. So he, sorry, he joined the gray cup champions for more money. Like nothing the stamps could have done about that. Um, yeah. he, he, he did the smart move for himself in his career, but it was, it was as frustrating as it was because not emotionally speaking, but as someone who covers the team, like them winning that game would have made things a little more fun going into the back half of the year um and i thought that with with the negativity surrounding jake with everything it would have been nice for the for the group to get rewarded for a good game plan an explosive offense but ultimately that special teams play and a couple balls thrown deep over the middle where the argos just kind of caught the stamps out um were the difference here and against the lions a couple of weeks ago. I think we saw those balls over the middle and we saw them again. Did the defensive performance. Cause I think there are people who would say, okay, well the stamps defense looked great against the bombers, but the bombers didn't have Zach Caleros at quarterback. And then earlier this month, the last really great defensive performance was against the Argos who didn't have Chad Kelly for basically three quarters of that game at quarterback, but they got, torn apart by the lions and then the Argos did a really nice job um finding big plays and and finding scoring opportunities and taking advantage of them did the defensive performance concern you i don't know about concerned it definitely looked like an anomaly for me like i kind of throw out the bc game when i consider what this team really is this year because you know there's always just going to be that 
you have bad games. Yeah, you have bad games. Like, I don't, that one doesn't sway me too much one way or the other. Yeah, it just seemed a little out of character just because since Corey Mace has gone to the Argos, we've seen so many incredible defensive battles. From a pure fan watching perspective, it's kind of great to just see the offense run wild, though. You think about that first dance game that was on CBS this year. It's like, man, this is a terrible representation of how entertaining the CFL is. This was one that I wish got that kind of exposure. Yes. I am trying to do a little bit of math right now to try to. um, (laughs) I know. Well, I'm trying to pull out my calculator on my phone. I can't. I mean, my thing is, like, this is where the stats that we do have currently are, are a little bit difficult. Like the stamps we're allowing 25.5 points per game, which is the the fourth worst in the CFL mm-hmm. um, heading into this game. And then they obviously, they, they allowed 39. So that number has gone up. Um, but to put all of that on the defense, like doesn't actually make sense. Cause we know that there have been how many return touchdowns. There've been mm-hmm. so many pick sixes. So the actual points allowed, is a completely like it, it, it's a faulty stat in this particular yeah. case because there have been so many other points of the other phases um have allowed but um yeah it that again this is one of those ones where as you said earlier i just go back the season and there have been opportunities to turn these losses into wins like i i don't think they're that far off and i i, I sort of know your answer here but there comes a point in any season um where you just the record is what matters and you begin to think okay well are these losses going to add up to a non-playoff season like are they are close losses actually who the stampeders are Mm -hmm. you know and that that sucks to ask but you know it's either a feature when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Or it's a bug and i'm unfortunately like you don't get you don't get the chance to go back and replay those games so the, those losses count mm-hmm. just the same and they've got two games against unfortunately the conversation is just going to be extended like it was with the flames last season because you're, you have two games coming up against an opponent that isn't the 
best barometer for what your team actually is. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be a prolonged conversation until it's set in stone. They like they're making it or they're not. So do you let us say we are recording this. I always acknowledge when we're recording, we were recording this on Sunday afternoon. So the Elks have not hosted the Ottawa Red Blacks yet. If the Elks win that game. They're on a two game winning streak coming into the Labor Day Classic and the Stamps are on a three game losing streak. Is I mean, I, I think that the Stamps, if they're going to salvage their season, need to win both of these Labor Day back to back games. Yeah. Um, I've asked Ryan Ballantyne, who is always going to be very optimistic. Do, do you feel like a reasonable expectation at this point is the Stamps win both those games? It's not yet. It has to be the expectation. How could you not? You should be aiming so high on those ones. That's where you really, it could be so good for the team to have everything kind of come together. They've had good defensive games. They've had a couple of great offensive games. This is where you need it all to come together and prove that you can package it. Yeah. There's just no other way. Like in in front of those fans, like you have to. This is sort of the season right here. Like, let's be honest. They need to be. Fans care more about this than they do about the Grey Cup sometimes. I don't think. Yeah. I think fans care more. I don't know that the players care more. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, I think that in the rivalry, I mean, this is just so big and what it would do for Edmonton to to beat the stamps in these games you just you can't allow it to happen if the rivalry matters you gotta put your foot down on the neck i, I don't know what i'm trying to not say anything offensive put your foot down you gotta you gotta end the elks hope with two wins here um i know yeah, you watched the other games. misery maybe that's a nicer way to put it yeah well said well said you should be the podcast host probably not me Ooh, I, um, I will also say for people who don't know you are um, it's incredibly kind that you made made time today because you are um, I'll, I'll let you explain up, but you are at a golf tournament in a professional capacity and are currently in your car with your laptop on your knees, which you're much smaller than me. I could not physically do. If my screen tilts, it's because I'm trying to give my calf a break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's, it's absolutely incredible that you're a physically able to pull that off. Cause I definitely couldn't do that. Uh, my knees would just fall off. They'd be like, no, we don't, we don't agree to this. You're nearly 40 Danny. Um, you are, I, I think it's worth shouting out that you are at a, oh, yeah. a very important important golf tournament right now. Yes, I'm down here at Ryan Strasnitsky's uh, launch charity golf tournament. Uh, they're raising money to put in a pair of golfer here at Heritage Point Golf Course, which is incredible. It's like a combo golf cart wheelchair that lifts the user so they can take a standing swing. And you don't need to be a wheelchair user to use this. It can be really anyone with any mobility issues. If you have a broken leg, if you have MS, if you just if you're stiff and not getting around that easily, these things can make a world of difference. But this year, they also have the Rad Society down here that has all of this different adaptive equipment. I just saw like another similar to the Paragolfer, but it's this uh, device that can lift you to stand, but it is all terrain. It's got floodlights on it. You can take, you can use a crossbow with it and you can go fly fishing with it and you can go into the water up to where the engine is. That's unbelievable. It is so cool. Some of the things that you can do. And I actually took a run at Chris Cedar strand in a wheelchair rugby chair. <laughs> How'd that go? Pretty good. He, uh, I had a, he couldn't really fit in the chair. His legs are kind of sticking out. So I had a bit of an advantage there and he's a bit of a sitting duck, but beat him in something. 
But also That's speaking it. of uh, physically demanding things, uh, did you or did you not try the low wire at Cirque du Soleil this week? So I did not. Um, I had a Cirque du Soleil athlete come and be a guest on Rob's show, but I did not get mm -hmm. down um, to there. We will both be on Wednesday evening uh, at Cirque du Soleil, which we're, we're all very excited about. Uh, my dear friend Alex Kinkoff has uh, done a great job helping us um, get set up. So thank you to her. Uh, you did. Um, I saw a video, to be perfectly honest with you. Alex sent me a video being like, she's a natural. Um, I don't know how much gymnastics or whatever you have you did stuff that i can't yeah. do um again i i like i hurt my shoulder playing slow pitch so i'm not doing cirque du soleil uh style <laughs> anything right now that's that, that's not that's not for me i've aged out. i can't wait to see like the lore that this injury gets down the road like your trap is going to be like you know when you meet those uh those guys who played like a little bit of junior hockey and they're like if I didn't sprain my ankle in junior, I would have made it to the show. That's going to be you and your shoulder now. I mean, I will say that at 39, I have no ambitions of playing professional <laughs> baseball, so it won't quite be that. But I would just like my slow pitch team to win a game. Let us get back to CFL. Um, I actually have a question for you, CFL. Yes. Okay, do it. Uh, Daryl Davis had an article out this week. I don't know if you read it, but he suggested moving the uprights to the back of the end zone. I want to know your thoughts, questions, and concerns on that one. What was his rationale? Like, I find it very, um, I have two, I'm of two minds with any sort of changes to the layout of the field. First of all, I speak to a lot of people who tell me that like the reason that they, like people who love football and actually want to be CFL fans who just have now, these are people in their early twenties or, or, or even late teens who have grown up being able to watch the NFL and they find that like they turn on the CFL and it just, the bigger field, the longer field, that everything being up, it they say that that is their barrier to entry. It is certainly not for me, um, and I do. But you know, if there are existential threats to the league, I, I actually never think that it's a bad idea to consider um, some changes. I also know that what makes the game special is is, is the bigger field, is um, three downs, all of that. So I'm I'm generally opposed to it. Um, but moving to the back of the end zone, I mean, is the idea basically that Cody Fajardo wouldn't have hit the post and they would have like, what's it? It's not a surprise that that's coming out of Saskatchewan. No, I haven't read the article. I'm, I'm honestly not opposed to it is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. like, I don't think for me, that is one of those things that, um, would make absolutely no difference in terms of my enjoyment of the game, uh, with it being further back, would it encourage teams to go for it more or would it encourage teams mm -hmm. to, to punt? I don't, I don't know. Um, so like I'd have to sort of see the numbers on that a little bit, but of all of the changes that you could make to the CFL field, the one that like people would get mad because people get mad about everything, but that I personally would just roll my eyes and be like, okay, is that like, there was a too many men on one side of the center call um, yeah. against the Argos this week. And I was like, oh, I literally didn't know that was a rule. Like I saw this yeah, stuff. I'm so confused, but Hey, not to a touchdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, where do you stand? I don't, for me, that's just not, it likely eliminates you have to get rid of uh, of you know the extra point for a miss because any mm -hmm. miss just results in a point in that situation um but yeah i i would not be opposed to it i i also am not out here going to advocate for it necessarily but yeah i mean i'm not super keen on it it does lead to some some drama with the misses there but just the potential for that uh but i don't know honestly like if there was one rule that like 
I would change it probably would be adding the fourth down. Oh, this is gonna get us in trouble. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I like if there was one thing, if I had to change one of the things to make it more accessible to an NFL fan base, that would probably be the one I changed. Yeah, no, and I, I again, I don't think that it's offensive to. I also, if I was in charge, I would have named the Atlantic team the Halifax Hash Browns. So do what that was. I mean, I think that the thing always with the fourth down is that you have to make the field smaller. Because if you have four downs on a field that wide, no matter what, like all you have to do is get three yards down. So it actually is going to discourage teams from going for big plays. The, the smart thing is just to do tiny dinky plays to get you three to three and a half yards. And then you have four downs. So you'll ultimately, as long as you get three yards three mm-hmm. times, you just have a one yard fall over the, and you get the first down. Um, so I don't think it works without, without narrowing the field and, I mean, an 110 narrow yard field would just look ridiculous. So we can't do that. Um, but it, I do think that it all, like, that's the problem is it, it one can't happen without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I guess I had thought of it that way. I, I, to, for the record, I like legitimately, um, the four down thing makes people so upset. And I understand why. Like, I do think that maintaining the traditions, it's not something that necessarily upsets me. And the reality is, like, if these spring leagues succeed, the CFL is going to have to. Um, make make some changes so that Americans consider it worthwhile to come up here because there's just an advantage to putting, if you were trying to make the NFL, for any 23-year-old player with ambitions of making the NFL, putting tape on the American-sized field, like getting tape where you're just playing at a, in a professional system on that field is more valuable to American scouts than coming up and playing in the CFL. That's my understanding. But ultimately... I was there for the Twitter wars of 2021 and 2022. And my stance is- You were there. You were an active participant. You were writing letters to the home front, like, or back I was very involved in the XFL battle. I, like, was very vocal on that one. Um, I was slightly less involved in the world changes stuff because the reality is, like, I mean, we just moved on from the fact that they moved the hash marks. And that's- that's had a profound impact on the way the game is played and we don't talk about it. There were people who were upset about that. I don't hear anything about it a a season and a half later, the adjustments were made, the game continues. Um, So I'm always more about the tweaks. Um, But again, my number one, and I'm, I'm not trying to sort of be dismissive. I do want to talk about the other games as well as Labor Day quickly, but um, I know my number one thing before any change gets made is just get me, a functional stat system that allows me to reference years past games past um and that i can trust in game although the in game the live stats are much better now and, and in general i trust them um there's there's some tinkering that still needs to be done but it's more the ability like i the fact that i couldn't just go i knew in my head that kamar jordan had 249 yards in 2018 in the game before the labor day classic not being able to just go back and check that remains deeply frustrating um Mm -hmm. so um quickly i know you watched hamilton bc i said in my intro bc has now lost three of four they lost to saskatchewan they got crushed by the bombers the only win that they've had in august is a destruction of the calgary st peters Mm -hmm. um i don't have bc on the same level as toronto and winnipeg anymore do you I don't because I actually was going to ask you too. one of the things that I had on like my little list was like for you who's a contender and who's a pretender and my pretender was actually going to be 
BC mm. to go from such a beatdown of Calgary to what was it? Hatcher, what he, he had a touchdown, uh, just cracked 100 yards. Yeah. And he definitely had their best offensive output for the Lions. Yeah. I mean, if you take out their games against the Alberta teams, four wins against Calgary and Edmonton, the Lions are three and four. I don't think that they're a pretender. Um, I like my power rankings would be Toronto number one. Um, although, like, to be honest, it's a 1A and 1B. Like, I honestly have the Bombers and, and Argos right there. Out of respect, mm -hmm. I said this in the intro a little bit, but out of respect for you, you're the Grey Cup champions. You're the only team with one loss. Um, it's hard for me to have the Argos uh, behind the Bombers. But at the same time, like, secretly, who is the team that I, in a one-game playoff elimination game, who is the team that I'm most mm -hmm. scared of? It's the Bombers. The Argos have had three bye weeks. They've played two less games than the um, than the Bombers. But I had a top three, and now I have a top two. And mm -hmm. then in right after that is Montreal and BC, teams that I think – I mean, BC started so strong. Yeah. I mean, their record are, still looks good. They're, well, good at, like, they're making the playoffs. They're not missing the playoffs. Yeah, no, they're not missing the playoffs. It was also just, like, kind of weird that they got dummied on home turf. Like, that broke – they hadn't been beaten at home yet. They looked awful. Season. They looked really bad. Um, and, you know, again, I would come out and we, we, you know, we said, oh, well, you sometimes have to, within the, within the run of a season, there are games that unless, other than the truly great teams, you have a bad game here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, like in hockey, I remember my first season, the Flames got crushed 5 nothing, And I was like, going to do a big story. And, and my colleague was like, I don't know, man, like you lose a couple five nothing games in an 82 game season, like mm -hmm. there are bad nights. Um, and I would be willing to dismiss this as that like, okay, something was wrong. You guys just didn't have the right energy. It wasn't there mm -hmm. except that that was supposed to be the game where they got crushed by the bombers less than a month ago. That was supposed to be the game that was like, okay, you get one. Let's see it. They come back, they beat the stamps badly, but then they lost to the riders who you know, I, most of my guests here just don't trust the riders at all. Don't trust their quarterback situation. And now you lose to the Ticats, who I truly believed prior to this weekend were the worst team in the CFL. I thought they were I worse mean, than the Elks. to the Ticats credit, you knew they were going to be full in piss and vinegar after losing to Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Except that, like, like that's going to give you a, that's going to, no matter what, that's going to give you juice in your next game. It's like, uh, what did Rod Peterson call it? The dead cat bounce. Okay. <laughs> Where you I've fall so hard, you bounce back up a little bit. <laughs> kind of like fair. when you get a new coach, you know, it's just like one of those losses where like a team snapping a historic losing streak against you, you're going to get a little jump back from that. You are the dead cat bouncing back up. I just thought that the lions would have also had, a little piss of vinegar after losing to the riders, right? Like, and you're at home. I don't know. That was one of those losses that, and it's not, it is the combination of the three of losing three or four where, mm -hmm. how can I say you are as good as the Argos who have lost once or the bombers who beat you by like beat the bricks off of you. And then, and, and you've lost three or four. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I, I honestly think that the Montreal Winnipeg game was, was sort of fascinating and just seeing Winnipeg make the halftime adjustments. And mm -hmm. it was a close game. And then Winnipeg was like, not anymore. Like <laughs> they bullied them. And again, like, I don't, I'm so bored of saying how good Winnipeg is, but they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. I thought, like, I thought 
it was going to be a close one. And I like went to the gym and I was so bummed out. My gym didn't have the game on because I was really looking forward to just, you know, watching it there. And I came back and I purposefully didn't look at my phone and not spoil it. And I was like, I saw the score on uh, sports and I was like, what happened? I know what happened is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers happened. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're so good. And Zach Kolaros is not going to throw, he's not going to turn the ball over to to you better you better kill them while you have the chance that's that's mm-hmm. what i'll say um before we quickly go over the labor day games I, i'm trying to keep you you are busy so i'm not trying to keep you any longer you said you had a list do you have anything else you want to throw at me Ooh, see what else do i have on the list well i mean i i kind of brought it up but yeah you got to give me your pretender your contender and your pretender well you gave us the contenders um you gave us your 1a 1b i have those four um as my as my like who i would pick to be in the east and west final um i i still like this alouettes team and i um inevitably i at the end of a cfl season look back and i'm like oh everything i thought in august was wrong like things do change as the weather gets colder at post labor day i just think that the alouettes have there's been ups and downs, but I think that they're a team, they're a good team that is working towards being great and they're not there yet. And that means that there will be wins and losses. They're not the Argos or the Bombers right now, but I think that like there's a toughness to them that I like. Um, they've, they've had a little bit of adversity. They've had to go through. I think that they're a team that I'm really excited to see how they match up with the Argos in a, at season's end. And I, 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 so I have them sort of them. And then the, the problem with the Lions is I've just seen them Right now, I'm really low on them. Um, do I think realistically, the Thai Cats? Like, no. I every other team for me is a pretender, um, with the caveat that I think if the Riders get Trevor Harris back, I, I still think that he is capable of winning you a playoff game. Um, I think he's just a, a veteran with those smarts. I. If they get him back, which I honestly don't know if it's a possibility, I still think the Stamps, because they're losing all these close games, like it's sort of a matter of just of, of just one or two things. Uh, so I can see them going on a run. Um, the Ticats, Bo gets back and, and is better. You know, there's all these ifs. Every other team has a big mm-hmm. if. Every other team other than Winnipeg and Toronto has an if. And mm-hmm. then, so I guess that's it. I I... The most boring answer possible is that I think the two best teams in the league are the two best teams in the league. Um, like, that's, yeah. Um, but I just, yeah. I mean, if there was one, if there was a team outside of that top four who I would expect to potentially make a run between the Ticats, Riders, Stamps, and Elks, who would I pick? Uh, I'm just not going to pick because it's. I still think it's probably stampeders and that's just gonna get people from out of market mad at me but it's the stampeders or or the riders i trust them much more than i trust the tigers or the red blacks fair enough one of the question marks with edmonton and uh, what do you expect from trey ford coming into the labor day game i have been incredibly impressed um i think that the coaching staff for all the the, the crap it's taken and i don't understand why he wasn't starting games earlier in the year i i just genuinely um, he showed me enough last year that I thought, you know, he should have been given a shot, but I think they've done a nice job of managing him and not asking him to do too, too much. Um, you know, not overwhelming him, not asking him. 
he's not expected to be Peyton Manning right now. Um, so they've built a system around a guy who, you know, has some limitations, but is growing and getting better. And um, I think the stamps may be in for a, like the maybe in for a bit of a dogfight on on Labor Day and then the replay. And I think that um, the the offense needs to score. Like what we saw against Toronto is what we need to see. I I think the Trey Ford, if you give him enough chances, I I, I, I think he that Elks team can be opportunistic and give a fight. Maybe not to anybody, but on their day, um, they didn't. They didn't beat the Ticats for nothing, and I wish that I had two weeks or their second to last game up. Um, they took a big lead against the Bombers. They got beat pretty badly in the end, but there's something there that is growing. So I think the Stamps need to the Stamps need to be ruthless, and they need to be at their best to like comfortably win those games. Completely, and I also don't know that. Calgary would be the team that's able to dig themselves out of a similar pitch should that happen. They got to be on it from first snap. From 22 nothing? No, I don't think we've seen any indication that they can really that that they can do that. Um now again, I saw we saw what happened when you get Reggie Markin and another receiver cuz I, I I to be honest, I don't I, I liked what Marky Dambles did a little bit. Uh, I think they've got to figure out a way to have Trey Odom's Dukes available um, as well. You can't have him on the practice roster, but um, I, I I think we're beginning. Uh, look, I, I I believe in the Stampeders offense, and I think that they're improving. Um, you're going to be at Labor Day. I'm not. This is going to be the okay. first one I've missed since I moved to Calgary. Okay. Um, I'm going to be in Italy. <laughs> oh yeah you should definitely be in italy i forgot about that yeah, yeah. yeah i'm uh, going to be drinking some wine and hopefully like overnight be uh checking in on the game <laughs> i'm like 100 percent like i'm a psycho when i like really want to know what happens like even at stampede i was at the bar and i had 770 going on in my ear trying to keep up with what That's was going awesome. on so i'm going to be doing the same thing overseas fair enough um this is something i try to do for our sort of going into the week, it's weird because the games are so far away right now. Like we're talking on mm-hmm. a Sunday and the games don't actually start until next Saturday. I just ask people to pick their game of the week. That's all. You can have whatever reason you want, but what is the game that this is harder on Labor Day? Because I just think that we should say that I ah, watch the Labor Day games, but you've mm-hmm. got BC Montreal, which is actually an interesting game from a competitive standpoint, but it's always going to get overshadowed by, by the other three. I mean, you've got Winnipeg mm-hmm. at Saskatchewan, which is always one of the biggest games of the mm-hmm. year. And then you have the two sort of traditional Labor Day games on Labor Day, um, Argos Ticats and Edmonton Calgary. Um, it's just funny. Like for me, from a competitive standpoint, the most interesting game, like the one that matters the most here, arguably, like, or the one that I feel like I'm going to learn the most from is probably BC Montreal. But I'm here in Calgary. I cover the stamps. I love the all Alberta. So I'm, I'm taking Calgary. I'm going all Alberta. I know it's not very fun if we both pick the same thing, but I'm not going to pretend there's any other one there that really interests me more. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. It's, it matters. And, and again, as we said, it matters because the stamps have to salvage their season with two wins Mm -hmm. here. So, um, well, that is perfect. Well, Cammie, um, I said 35 and we've taken up 40 minutes and you are in the middle of an actual day where you're working. So I don't want to, I don't want to keep, I can see my cameraman pacing outside the car. (laughs) Oh, you must want to kill me. He's going to, no, not at all. I hope next time we get to have a charcuterie board. Yeah. I've got to get you into the studio. I mean, you've been in the studio a million times, so it's not like that's a treat, but, um, but I, I so appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything you want to, um, want to throw to let people know where they can check you out? 
Uh, sure. Uh, I'm not tweeting as much about sports these days since I'm not officially on the sports beat with Global Calgary, but I'm at Cami Kepke Global. Try to share some insights, mostly memes, and where we're at right now. And uh, later tonight, if you want to tune into Global News, we're going to be uh, talking about Straz's uh, launch tournament. Amazing. Um, and yeah, definitely check you out. You're one of the smartest people in Calgary sports. So I uh, I just so appreciate you being on and uh i don't know i'll see you this week we'll, we'll be talking but thank yeah, you I'll so see much you soon. <laughs> yeah thanks so much for your time all right later pal guys what are you doing tonight i don't know what you're doing tonight you're probably looking for something guys you gotta go check out mug's pub this is probably my favorite pub in the city 1330 15th avenue southwest right in the belt line honestly they do it all i for years played trivia on wednesday nights at mugs it's the best trivia night in the city other nights they got music they got specials every single night some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at mugs pub you want wine you want beer you want cocktails they got it all big fan of their fish and chips they got some amazing pizza you want to watch the game they got tv screens you want to just have a drink with friends perfect spot to do it you want to have some food as i said it's delicious mugs pub we love having them as a sponsor we love having them just down the road from us here at our studios check out mugs pub they're the best Thank you to Cammy. That was great. It was so nice to have her on the show. Uh, for her to take time like that. She doesn't have to do that. She's working today. Uh, for her to take time out of her busy schedule is absolutely awesome. Super appreciate her insight. And yeah, guys, here we are. We're finally here. Oh, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it to me. It's still Sunday. But, you know, it's time for Labor Day games. That is, this is my favorite weekend of the year. Uh, this is my favorite sort of week and a half stretch going into the Labor Day re replay here. Uh, with Calgary and Edmonton. This is, I started my career on Labor Day in 2016, um, covering Labor Day Classic, and it, you know, changed my life in a lot of ways, that game and, and everything that's come since. So uh, this is, this game special to me personally. It's special to all of us here in Alberta. Um, and then you got the other. I mean, it, this is just such a fun slide of weekends. There's a same cami. BC Montreal's interesting. That's a fun game. Normally, we don't even think about uh, the, the sort of fourth game on the schedule. It's all about, Winnipeg Sask, as it should be, them playing Sunday. That game is always huge. Uh, love that sort of prairie rivalry, that, you know, Central Canada rivalry. Um, you know, we'll see what the Riders can do. The Bombers look great right now. But a win there, can you imagine? Changes the whole changes the whole narrative again. Feels like the narrative flips every second week here in the CFL. Argos, Ticats on Monday. That's the early game. Uh, and then... Yeah, you got Alex and Calgary. I'll say it before we go off. I'm I hate that this game is 5 p.m. I, I wish that this was a mid-afternoon start. I don't understand the reasons. I have not unpacked those reasons, but uh this is this is a game that I I, I do believe should be starting at two. You got families out, they can get home for dinner time. You know, kids have school the next day. It's it's sort of the end of summer. I don't actually know that kids have school the next day, but um I assume that they do. Typically, the Tuesday after Labor Day is when, when people go back to school. But one way or another, look, 5 p.m., um, you know, this is a game that people used to come in from all over the province to watch. You know, you have people from Edmonton coming back. You, you finish the game at 5 or 6. People in Edmonton can get back to Edmonton. Uh, finish the game at 8, 8, 30. It's a lot harder. So I hate that this game starts at 5, but it does not temper my excitement. Um, it's Calgary-Edmonton. It's the Labor Day Classic. It's, you know, all three of these. The, the Toronto-Hamilton game, Winnipeg Sask. These are, these are some of the biggest games of the year always deliver high drama so much at stake i can't wait um haven't quite figured out what we're gonna do oh uh, definitely we're gonna try to blow this up this is you know this one matters this one counts and i'm excited about it so we're gonna try to 
have the best guests I can break down these these big rivalry games. Uh, have some fun this week. But either way, thank you to Mugs Pub. We love Mugs Pub. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Thank you to Kami Kepke. Thank you to everyone um, listening, watching. Please like and subscribe. Share with your friends. This is live from the 55. It's Labor Day week. Guys, this is what we do it for. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.